Good morning. Really glad you're here, and I'm glad to be home. I've been gone. I've been moving around to other churches, and even though when I walked on stage they gave me an ovation, which I told every church that I don't get that at home, but that's okay. (laughs) That's really okay. I, I don't need it. I didn't need it there, but, you know, hey, it was, it was kind of fun. <laughs> uh, anyway, we've been doing this message series, uh, and we're talking about the need to team together. And so you heard from several of my friends. I hope you enjoyed that. They, they're really good, close friends of mine. And uh, we work together, we team together to do God's work in the world in, in ways that we couldn't really extend things alone. In this series, we've been exploring God's design for the church to team together. All of the important endeavors in life are a team effort. They, at least, it goes better if they're a team effort. We raise children in teams called families. In, in your work, it's it goes better if you're a team player. And if you want your life to make an eternal impact, you join God's team and you try to work together to do what he's doing in the world. The, the work of God advances not as individuals do good deeds, but as they team together to do God's work. Now, God could do his work any way he wants to. Um, but he's chosen to work through individual believers who come together, make up a church body, and that's how he works. A friend of mine says, when God's people work, or when, when God works, his people get blisters. And that, that, that's the truth. You know, he works through us. We're his hands and feet. So in the Teaming Together series, we're highlighting the importance of this, of working together to do more than we could alone. Individual Christ followers teaming with other Christians in the church to do God's work is one of the things we've been highlighting. But we're also talking about the way this church and several other churches team together to accomplish some giant goals that we aren't able to do alone. And so that's the purpose of all of us guys moving around to the different churches. This is we've all done the same message. By the way, I've done this is the seventh time. I've delivered this message, and this is the seventh time my wife has heard it. Now, that's, that's endurance right there. But any, any who, <laughs> um, in team sports, it's crucial to be able to identify who belongs to what team when they're on the court or when they're on the field. Uh, it's, it's really important to the game to figure out who's on which, which team. See, see if you can identify... Which team is represented by these colors? Here's, here's one pick. See, yeah, okay. If you're from Southern California, should know that. USC Trojans. How about, how about this one? Bruins, UCLA, you know, they're, they're gonna be more of a threat to USC now because they hired Chip Kelly. That's gonna be just, I digress, I know, but, <laughs> but that's, that's the way it is. Now, here's an easy one, the names on the front. Um, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, this one, this one stings a little right here. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I listened to Josh's message last week, and he's a Giant fan, and appreciate his trying to show kindness to us Dodger folks, but uh, that one hurts just a little bit. We were so close. Okay, I, here's, this is the problem with the seventh time, okay? I've got to focus, got to try to stay focused. So why don't teams just mix it up a little bit and get creative? You know, I'm not feeling blue today. I, I want to wear orange. Or get really creative, go with the tie-dye, you know, kaleidoscope kind of thing. Why don't they do that? Teams don't do that because colors establish identity. When you wear certain colors, people know which team you're on. And that is very important. It's the way you identify as a part of the team. In the same way, a Christ follower publicly identifies as a member of Jesus' team. If you're going to be on a team, there must be a way for others to know that you're a part of it. When you put on a uniform, it shows which team you're on. This is why it's important to let your family and friends know you're a Christ follower. If you've decided to make him Lord, if you've decided to follow him, it's very important to let them know. It's so important that this is what Jesus said about it. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. One reason Jesus commanded us to be baptized after we decide to follow Christ is to identify as a member of his team. That's one of the things that's wrapped up in the ceremony of baptism that we celebrate. We're identifying as a part of his team publicly. It's also important to identify with Christ as we live our lives, as we walk through life and as we go through you know, in, in our families, with our friends, at work, in our neighborhoods. It's very important to identify as a Christ follower because when we identify with him, it gives us a little less wiggle room in our actions, our attitudes, and our words because we want to represent him well. And if we represent him well then others may be drawn to investigate what it means to follow him or decide to follow him as well. So it's important to identify as a Christ follower. If, if you join the USC football team, say, you aren't the first one to be a part of that team. You're stepping into a long tradition of team members who have come before you and those who will come after you. The colors you wear link you to that team. And some people go crazy over the colors of their team, don't they? They buy cars that color. They paint houses that color. Um, anyway, they, that, they, because it's, it's not because you know, they like the color. It's because it links you to the tradition of the team. Real people put on that uniform. They've worn those colors, which adds a richness to what it means to be a Trojan or a Bruin or a Laker or a Dodger. And it's the same for Christ followers even more. So the, the reality of 
that tradition that we're in a long line of people who followed Christ spurs us on to live up to the best of those who've come before us and to set the pace for those who will come after us. So that that's the big deal about colors. Those aren't just colors. They point to a team and they point to an identity. And so this is why teams are so serious about their colors. So what's a Christ follower's uniform? What's the uniform we wear? Our uniform isn't a color. It's a mission. Here's the command Jesus gave his early followers in Matthew 28. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The identifying mark of a follower of Christ is obedience to his commands. And the obedience is tied to our mission that Jesus has given us. Baptism is the first step of many uh, that a disciple takes, a follower of Christ takes to do what he said to do. But people can see that we're a part of Jesus' team when we do what he told us to do. And we take on his attitudes, his approach to life, his character, and we use words that he would use if he were in our situations and circumstances. They, people can begin to catch the flavor of Jesus Christ as we live this way. None of us do it perfectly, of course, but... Um, as we choose obedience to Jesus as we live, then it contributes to the mission because our mission as a church and as individuals who work together in the church, our mission is to help people decide to follow Christ, those who, who are being drawn toward him. That's our, that's our role. Our obedience then begins to really help with giving people a fantastic picture as we represent Jesus Christ well to them. People begin to recognize the flavor of somebody who follows Christ. If, if you choose obedience in your family, at your work, among your friends, and then other Christ followers come along and they choose obedience and you have the same attitude, the same response in pressure packed situations or just as life's going on you're you're taking the attitude one of the major attitudes of jesus christ is he's a he was a servant so you're you're serving and another christian comes along and you're serving you're not just looking to your own interests; you're looking to the interests of others and another christ follower comes along they begin to match it up and it it has this multiplied impact in the life of others as they realize, hey, hey, this is, this is how Christians are. This is what it means to be a Christ follower. This, this draws people to Christ. It's like walking into your house and there's your favorite meal being cooked. Mm. Sorry to mention food. Yeah, it's Thanksgiving. We're all trying to recover. I know this. I'm, I'm still trying to recover. But it is, it's like, yo, that, um, 
follow the, the flavor, you know, and you're drawn toward it. You're looking forward to that. And so that creates a curiosity so people begin to investigate. So obedience and our mission, those are our colors. Our mission is the colors. And obedience is tied to that because that's how people begin to recognize that we're Christ followers as he puts us, plops us into our families, our work, our neighborhoods, and different places. After you decide to follow Christ, he puts you on the team and he gives you a purpose. There is nothing more significant than serving on Jesus' team. Not, nothing more significant on the face of the, the earth. Because when we work together here to help people decide to follow Christ, we our work has an eternal edge to it. Because when somebody investigates following Christ and they go through a process of checking him out and they discover that he's real and they, they give their lives to follow Christ, they decide to make him Lord and boss and to do life his way. In that moment, their eternal destiny changes. They, they were headed without Christ to a life in eternity separated from God in a place called hell. Now, they're moving toward eternity in a life with God in a place called heaven. So our work has an eternal edge of significance to it. What, what, a, what a privilege to team together to do something with this kind of significance. So one way we team together is through the local church. If you're serving here in this church body, the part you play is contributing to the most important work on the face of the earth, making disciples. We can do more teaming together than we can separate. That's just, that's just the way it works. And our mission as a church body is too significant to try to pull it off alone. It's the same for churches. And that's why we did this series in our 17-6 network of churches. We're experiencing the reality that we can do more as a group of churches than we can separate alone. So we're pulling together to accomplish some giant goals that we couldn't pull off alone. In fact, the Bible shows that teams working together compound effectiveness. Philemon 6 says, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Now, I'd like to highlight three words in this brief passage because this, this, this statement here is packed with some very helpful understanding. Uh, I'd like to look at partnership, effective, and understanding. The word partnership, this was originally written in Greek, uh, like all the other passages in the New Testament. They were written in Greek, and often if you get into the Greek, then you, there, there's a lot more packed into the words that are in Greek than English. And so it's a lot more exacting language than English is. But the word for partnership in this passage is koinonia. That's how you translate, literate it. K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. Koinonia, it's often translated fellowship. But what it literally means, koinonia, is it means uh, to mutual reciprocity. 
is, is one way to say it. Give and receive. So I serve you, you serve me, I give to you, I receive from you. And it's in the, it's in the give and receive back and forth that our growth is, and our faith is made more effective. So as, as we're in the church body and needs pop up and I, I help meet your need as I have a need, you help meet my need, it's in the give and receive that we really grow. It has a compounding effect on our growth. The passage says it, it's effective. And that word in the Greek is energos, E-N-E-R-G-E-S. It's, it's, you know, it's where we get the word energy. Um, and the idea is that the partnership, this mutual reciprocity, it infuses energy into our growth and has a compounding effect on our understanding of all that we have in Jesus Christ. Understanding is the word epinosis, which means recognition. So it's, it's as we do life together that we see things we wouldn't see if we were just doing things alone. This, this is really important to understand. So as we cooperate in our mission, the passage shows us that the giving back and forth in teamwork empowers and energizes a Christ follower's growth in Christ's likeness. This compounding effect, it's true for individuals, and it's also true for churches. This is what we're learning. As a network of churches, then, we're working together to do more than we could do alone. And I'd like to give you a brief overview of the vision and mission of the 17.6 network of churches. This, this is my, as we, as we divide it up, I don't know why I'm going to tell you this. TMI, but I, I'm, I've started now, and you'll wonder if I don't finish. Um, I, as we divided up the different parts of the series, I got this part because I'm the director of the network of churches, so give it to, give it to that guy. Let him do it. So I'm going to give you a little backdrop, a, a, an overview of what we're trying to do in our network. Our vision is to see life-changing churches multiplying throughout the cities of the world. And by life-changing, we mean something specific. We want to have a church and a culture in that church, and we want to be these kinds of churches that shape God's values in those who participate in it. Every church, every organization shapes values, either you're in the organization and you're repelled by something and you choose against the value that they have or um, you are drawn toward the right values as you're a part of the group. So we want to grow in our ability as churches that to draw people toward what really matters to God, the things that are high on his list of things that are important. And so we want to be the kind of church that as you get involved in it, you're drawn toward the values of God's kingdom and, and God himself. So the core DNA of a life-changing church is a culture that shapes kingdom values. This takes 
concentrated and concerted effort to figure out how to be this kind of uh, church body. And so we're working on it together. That's, that's what we do. That's one of the main things we're doing. A kingdom culture shows up in churches, in, in, in any organization, the, the, the culture shows up in two different ways. The way we relate and the way we work. And so we have values that we shoot for in our churches. And there's, there's a list of relational values that we call the hard attitudes. And they come right out of Scripture. They're, they're right out of the Bible. Um, the hard attitudes are the first four are put the goals and interests of other, above others, uh, of others, whoa. Put the goals and interests of others above your own. Uh, within scriptural limits. The, the Bible assumes that you're going to look out for your own interests, but you look beyond your own interests to the interests of others and you try to help out and serve and take care of people. Another one is live an honest and open life before others. Third one, give and receive scriptural correction. The fourth one, clear up relationships when they're messed up. If you do these, if we do these here in church life, we can work together and we can enjoy one another over time. And we don't get burnt because we're dealing with problems. Problems are going to happen. I mean, conflict happens. And irritations and frustrations and things go on. But if we'll work toward these things, then we can really be the kind of place that people enjoy being around. And if you do these in home life, if you do them at work, if you, if you live these things, it, it's a value across the board. Another set of values uh, that we hold are connected to the way we try to work as a church. Personal and project values, things like faith, humility, teachability, patience, the value of people. One of the, one of the things, God loves people. And so the way we do our work here in church life, we want people to understand the, how valuable they are to God. And so we, we treat people with value. And another personal project value is to buy up the opportunity. So it might be an inconvenience, but when we see an opportunity to help or to move the mission forward, we want to work toward that. So those are just some of the personal project values. We want to work with a team spirit. We want to be cohesive. We want to have a can-do attitude. You know, you run into obstacles all the time. But we want to have an upbeat attitude toward those. And we want to be includers. We want to include people in what's going on here. So as a network, we're working together to sharpen one another in developing our church cultures to embody these, these values that are right out of Scripture. So that's our vision, and we fulfill our vision as a network by accomplishing our mission, which is to equip and resource leaders to develop and multiply life-changing churches. Leaders carry the culture in any organization, but especially the church starting with staff. So we are designing, we've designed training programs to equip the pastor and his staff to create churches so that members can be involved in training programs that really help them live for what's important to God. 
And so uh, we've, we've created several training programs toward this end. And the reason we emphasize training so much is 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. It says, have nothing to do, it's not on the screen, it says, have nothing to do with godless and silly myths. Train yourself in godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. What that passage is saying is this. As you train and, and understand more about the way God looks at situations you're living out and you become godly, which is just means that you reference God and you try to do what he wants you to do in each situation that you're facing, then it has value across the board in every part of your life. It's incredibly valuable. And so that's why we put the focus we do on training. And so we've developed several programs. You may be participating in one of them or have. Our newest program is called Horizon. It's created so that Participants would be able to experience the Christian adventure, get strengthened in uh, their walk with God, learn more about the heart attitudes, God's purpose for the church, among other things. Uh, here's a picture of the pastors training together uh, to figure out how to lead that program. Uh, North Star is another program we've developed. It's a two-year training program aimed at helping uh, lay leaders and members uh, to learn how to work together to create the kind of churches we want to be that really reflect well on God. Here's a picture of the North Star uh, Train the Trainer, we call it, of pastors working on this. Now, pastors, we get together at these uh, so that we can learn and sharpen one another in the process of developing uh, people in godliness and ministry, and we end up growing ourselves as we sharpen each other in the give and receive of what happens there. The Antioch Project is a five-year intensive and intentional ministry training program we offer for men and women who believe God is calling them to vocational ministry. It's unique, hands-on, character-shaping and leadership skills-forming training program that is at a graduate level. Uh, we currently have two campuses, one at Hope Church in Fort Worth, where all of us came out of, the other campuses here in Southern California, and the guys who've been speaking in this series, we all work together to do the training in the Antioch Project here in Southern California. Here's a picture from our first Antioch Project graduation in Southern California. Um, there it is. Uh, that, that was at Seabreeze Church. If you were here when Bevan spoke, Bevan's the pastor there at, at that church. Harold Bullock is the founder of the 17.6 Network, and very early on, uh, a piece of his vision was to establish a graduate seminary level training program to raise up leaders who would go out then and start churches and ministries and serve on staff at, the, at, at churches as well, and I admit, now, I, I'm, I just turned 60 last month, and so I heard about that idea about almost 40 years ago. And to be honest, my response to that idea was, sure. 
<laughs> How is that going to happen? You know, yeah, right, kind of thing. And but you know, if you know Harold, that's he's he's thinking ahead. So almost 40 years later, I don't know when the dream started in him. I heard about it almost 40 years ago. But in August of 2015, we signed an agreement with Northwest Baptist Seminary that allows us to make Antioch Project a fully accredited Master of Divinity degree program. Kind of an amazing thing. Here's, here's a picture of our first graduates receiving their Master of Divinity degree. And that's likely the most dressed you will ever see me in the robe and everything. <laughs> um, Anyway, God's, God's really putting things together that are, have been dreams. He's, he's realizing the dreams. He's bringing things together in ways that really we could not. He's connecting people and connecting dots, making things happen. The 17.6 Network's name comes from a statement made about some of the earliest Christ followers in Acts 17.6. That's why we chose those numbers. Um, these men who have come who have turned the world upside down, have come here also. Basically, the 17.6 Network exists to try to turn the world upside down so that it can be right side up, because that's what happens. When, when God turns you upside down, you, you end up right side up. And when a person decides to follow Christ, God turns them right side up. As you get into the Scripture, what you find there is living that's right side up. You find God's values. You find what's important to him. You discover how to live those out. And, and you begin to turn right side up as you give your life to follow Christ. So that's our goal. If God were allowed, we want to be a part of this movement that's going on in the world of helping people get right side up. Our goal as a network is to have influence in our world during our generation. I've shared some of the programs we developed in our churches. There's no shortage of vision for the future. Uh, future plans, if the Lord allows, include creating a cutting-edge school that would do more than provide a curriculum and a course of study, but it would help train and encourage parents uh, to raise kids who embody kingdom values and provide a cohort for both the parents and for the kids to grow in. That's, that's one of the things we'd like to see. We're, we're also trying to build bridges across the U.S. and to other parts of the world through our efforts. Here's, here's our website. I've, I've been having fun with the fact that we have a website. Isn't that how you become a legitimate organization? You have a website? Oh, okay, it takes more than that. I should probably stop saying that. I think I will after today. I'm going to stop saying that because it makes me cringe every time I say it. But it takes a lot more to be legitimate than having a website. But I love the picture on our home page of the website because it, it, it tells a story. The piers of the bridge here represent the individual pastors and their churches. And the bridge represents the network. Alone, we're each limited to impacting our specific geographical location. But together, we're able to go places that we can't go alone by building bridges. And that's what we're trying to do. So the pastors in the network are pooling resources 
money, time, energy from staff to work on building these bridges. We're working together to extend our work here in the United States and other countries. There have been several teams. We've had Antioch Project teams, mission teams going out different places to serve. We just this year began to send out North Star mission trip teams from the North Star training program. And we sent two trips to to Chico this year. One was to help on a building project at the church there. And the other was to help with the college student ministry in Chico. Chico seems to be an, a, a key place, doesn't it? They have great coffee in Chico. I love Chico. But anyway, God's working there, so we're trying to join him in the work there. Another t- uh, trip with team members from this campus uh, went, uh, went to Thailand from this church and a couple other churches went to Thailand in uh, September to help Tim Owens, who's working there. And uh, we're also working to translate the North Star training program into the Thai language. Here's the Thai logo. Can't read it. Maybe you can. Um, But I know that says North Star. Trust me. And it it says navigating the Christian adventure. So that's that's what it says. Um, But... Anyway, we're, we're trying to build the North Star training program into the Thai language because Tim Owens, a friend of ours there in Bangkok, he sees a gap in the training for folks who decide to follow Christ in Thailand. There's a gap. And if they're called into the ministry, the gap is this. They, they have a two-year waiting period for uh, getting into leadership training. And so he sees the North Star as a key part of training Thai believers and getting them grounded before they can go into their more formal training program, which North Star is pretty formal as it is. We're continuing to build bridges to Germany through some friendships we all share there. And a team just returned from uh, Germany, Bonn, Germany, this past weekend. So those are some of the ways that we're partnering together as churches to accomplish more than we could alone. And I wanted to show you the connection of our church to a broader network of churches who are teaming together. We haven't quite laid it out there like this uh, before this message series, so I hope it's been encouraging to you, gives you a little bigger picture of what's going on. As I wrap up this morning, I'd like to encourage you to... Think through a way to respond personally to the message. Uh, There may be a next step that you want to take. Here are some suggestions from me. God may have spoken to you, laid something else on your heart as well, but here are my suggestions. My My next step today is to identify with Christ in some way this week. Maybe the people at work or your some friends that you're going to see that you haven't seen in a while or extended family. Maybe they don't know that you've a Christ follower. And you're just going to identify that you're following Christ in some way, not not an obnoxious way. Just just casual, you know, just let them know you're a Christ follower. That gives you a little less wiggle room because you need to represent well. That's that's what we want to do. So, and then explore ways to work on the team here at Church in the Valley to accomplish its mission. There are different ways there 
we got family Christmas service. There's a lot of help needed at the family Christmas service. If you haven't uh, been able to serve and you'd like to serve in some way, that's a great way to start, is to help out with what's coming up this, this month as we celebrate the Christmas season. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we see in your word and how teaming together really does compound our effectiveness and our understanding of you. Help us, Father, to get past ourselves, to look beyond our own selves and what's going on to serve you and to serve together in church life to accomplish more than we ever could alone, Father. We ask for your help in this and your strength in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.